NBA stock market Atlantic division, and we'll dive into some takeaways on some of the newer, new, two new, one sort of new head coach across the league. Matt, are you ready for the Atlantic division? Fade everyone. Coming up right here at Locked on NBA. You are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Thursday edition of Locked On NBA. I am Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked On Rockets. He is Matt Moore, senior NBA writer at the Action Network and co-host of Locked On Nuggets. And we have a lot to break down today. We've got our final NBA stock market edition, the Atlantic edition, in which Matt is planning to fade everybody. Matt, why are we fading everybody? Because all of them have serious, serious concerns. I want to ask you, Jackson, before we get started uh, talking about what we're talking about, I do want to ask you, are, are you ready for preseason? We're like days away from preseason. And like everybody's in the best shape of their careers. It's crazy. How is everybody? And Jackson, how do you feel? We went an entire day without anyone saying anything stupid in the NBA today. Whole day. <laughs> I know it's 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 such a miracle when we make it through a day without some stupid news coming out in, in this in this league specifically. But uh, I, I love this time of year, right? Everybody's in the best shape of their careers. Everybody's healthy. Everybody, you know, everybody's optimistic. And then we're going to get like we're going to get like a week. What, what's the over under like two weeks into the season when like reality hits the fan? Or is it more like a month into the season when the reality checks start to kind of come flooding in? And you're like, oh, oh, yeah, this is how things are actually going to be this year. It's a month because an executive actually who's actually involved in trade talks and has been for a while actually commented to me and said, no, 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 you don't trade now. Everyone thinks that they're great now and all their offseason moves are going to work. You wait a month and then they realize what they've done with their decision making. And, and that's when you strike. So. Well, before we get into our NBA stock market analysis of the Atlantic division, we want to take a quick second here to reflect on some of the you know media day commentary from a few of the coaches across the league. Two new head coaches in Willie Green and Chauncey Billups, as well as one sort of new head coach. It's his first full year in Chris Finch with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I feel like we're going to let's just start with Finch because that's such a I mean, the Timberwolves are kind of in a, you know, rocky situation right now. Uh, obviously, they've been in the news as of late with not with some not so great, you know, PR. Um, but Finch, Sajan Gupta, they go way back together. So that's a good that's a strong partnership there. I mean, you seem pretty high on the Timberwolves. And, you know, when we were doing their the, the stock market breakdown of their division recently. So how do you feel about Finch stepping into his first full year as a head coach, getting a formal training camp, all that stuff behind him? I think people are about to find out that Chris Finch is a really, really good coach. I actually have interviewed him a couple of times back, way back, way back in the, in the, in the long ago before times in the prehistoric age. Uh, I interviewed him way back when he was in the G League coaching. And I was always blown away by how smart he was. His time with Rio Grande Valley and other teams. He was phenomenal. And then obviously, you know, his work with various teams, including like he was with the Nuggets and their offense blossomed. He went to the Pelicans, and their offense blossomed. He's been a part of some really good staffs, and now he gets this shot uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And if you look at the splits, from not you have to take out the first couple of games because it was a disaster when he first took over. That happens when you take over midseason. There's no practice. But like March 15th on, there were some real signs that Finch was making the most out of Carl Anthony Towns, that Finch was getting the most out of a lot of those guys. He's known as this offensive guru, which is interesting because he really got his chops overseas and in the G League defensively. So I'm actually, after after the dust settled from the Gerson Rosas debacle, 
I actually was like, well, look, they don't, they're not bringing in somebody that's going to have the complete opposite approach of Rosas. Both of those guys came out of Maury's uh, tree in Houston. The approach is going to be very similar. They're going to prioritize threes and spacing the floor and cat. They're going to have a good offense. They do have a superstar. I'm back on Jackson. Like I'm back on, I'm back in. I, I'm if we did the, the, the stock market again, I'd be buying up all the wool stock that everyone else is selling. I actually think that they're going to be okay. And a lot of it has to do with Chris Finch and how he enables specifically big men to get the most out of their games. The Wolves are definitely going to be an interesting team to keep an eye on. And we've got two more teams here to kind of keep tabs on. And that's going to be, we, we wind up going all, all Western conference here. Uh, I accidentally, it's not that we don't like the Eastern conference. We just managed to go this route. Um, but we've got Willie green with the Pelicans and then Chauncey Billups as well with the Blazers. I want to go Chauncey first because you know, looking through, listening to his, you know, media day availability, he strikes me as right coming in, you know, with that hire, with that decision. I think there was this idea that with Chauncey Billups coming in, that kind of like floor general mentality, right. To really kind of, I don't know what the proper terminology is for it, but I, I don't know, take control of that locker room, really get somebody that, that Dame and CJ can really like relate to and resonate with. Mm-hmm. And I think throughout his presser, you know, he dropped so many different, you know, nods to different things that he wants to really focus on this year. And I think the one that stood out to me was he understands just how talented Dame and CJ are as players and the fact that they are just they're both walking buckets. They can go out there and, and get you 30, 40 plus on any given night. But he wants to emphasize emphasize more ball movement and working on getting things you know, away from those two guys so that things aren't as difficult for them, right? So they can't get shut down as easily offensively. And then, you know, talking about the the other right things too, right? The commitment to defense and accountability aspect. You know, he was sharing some stories from his playing days, you know, with the Pistons. And I thought he was just, you know, really down to earth about like how his coaching style is going to be and that he's really going to, you know, dig into these guys to be accountable for, you know, what they want to achieve as a team. You know, his hire was really controversial, uh, especially with Portland fans, understandably because of the 1997 rape allegation that, you know, threatened to really, I think, derail his hiring. And that's still going to be a sore point, I think, going forward, as I believe it should be. I'll say this. I think the stories have already come out about how much Dame respects Billups. And I think that was one of the problems is Dame stood by stops like he was he was with him. And last season, the reason that that changed so quickly from, no, 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 Stotts is not getting fired. He's a great coach, too. Well, he might get, things are getting a little dicey. I think it was because it was apparent that Dame had started to lose some faith in Stotts, whether that's fair or not. Um, he's going to have a lot of faith in Billups. This is one of his guys. This is a, a longtime mentor. Nurkic, actually, use of Nurkic has a really strong relationship with him. And a lot of these guys on that team are veterans that, will have had experience with Chauncey or somebody that knows Chauncey. And so there will be like, I think a high level of, of respect for Billups and he'll be able to coach them, which I think is important. I think it's notable. He's changing the defensive scheme. So they've already, Jason quick had an article about this in the athletic. They, along with the Timberwolves actually are both going to playing at the level of the screen, much like Denver does in pick and roll coverage for the wolves. I really like it. I'm really terrified for what it means for the blazers. I'm not sure that they have the personnel, but it does mean that they're at least changing things. They're getting more aggressive. And that mentality, I think, will probably pay off. I think Stotts had a really hard time motivating them to play hard on defense. And Billups, I think, inspires such respect with his presence being a former player more recently that I think that he'll be able to carry through and probably get them, if not better execution, then better effort on the defensive end. And the offense is so good. I think they're going to be okay. You made a great point there. 
about wanting the ball movement. So often last season, it was just my turn, your turn with CJ and Dame. That's a really good point that they're going to try and adapt more of a cohesive team-oriented offense. You talk about the defensive side. I mean, I, I feel like, especially at the NBA level, so much of defense is just buy-in, right? And yeah. I think that sometimes when you get a, a new coach, of you know, a facelift for the organization, you know, whatever that shot in the arm that you might need, um, and it, sometimes, right? Sometimes it could be a new coach. Sometimes it could be the the right roster additions, but just a little shakeup, right? A little jolt to kind of get get some renewed buy-in, some renewed commitment on that side of the basketball, because a lot of defense is just trying harder, right? Like if you just try a little bit harder, you can usually be a slightly better defender if you just give a little bit more of a shit at times. Um, am I allowed to curse in here? Oh, I did. Oh, well, anyways. Um, so uh, believe it out later. No. Um, so la- last guy that we've got here is, is Willie green. And speaking about some of the, the buy-in right for the Pelicans one, I was, I, I caught myself thinking like, wasn't Willie green just like in the league like yesterday. And I went back and looked and his final season was 2015. So I'm like, yeah, he pretty much was just in the league like yesterday. And I think that's one of those areas where, you know, as as such a young head coach, I think he's really going to be able to like relate to his players on a different level than some other coaches would, right? Because you bring up like coaches who have been former players, but they, you know, like let's take let's go with Stotts, right? Somebody who played in a completely different era than, than these guys, right? So Willie Green played in this era. Like, I mean, it's I, I haven't actually has Willie Green played with any of the Pelicans or played alongside at the same time as any of the players that are active on the Pelicans roster? He played six years ago. JaVale. That's a good one. There we go. So, I mean, like he was in the league at the same time as some of these guys. So I think that, and one of the things that he, you know, mentioned in, in his presser, and I think he kind of doubled down on was the idea of continuing to run the offense through Zion, that he was, that he enjoyed, you know, what they had kind of schemed with last season with the Pelicans really trying to put the ball in his hands. But obviously the big question mark with Zion is, you know, health, you know, can he be healthy and can Willie Green actually have the opportunity to utilize him to the best of his, you know, to, to his maximum potential, uh, barring any setbacks uh, as far as his health goes. Yeah, by the way, JaVale uh, on the Suns still. <laughs> That's a, And Will Green used to be on the Suns, but now on the Pelicans. I got that mixed up. The only player go. that he would have that would have played in the same era as him is, uh, I believe, Garrett Temple. I, he and Brandon Ingram might have had like a year. But I, think, I think Ingram was a year after him. So, uh, yeah, not a lot of guys on roster. And Jonas uh, Valanciunas. Those are the two guys for the Pels. Uh, look, I think it's going to be really interesting. You can tell that this was a reaction hire where Stan Van Gundy, big yeller, get like really complains, yells a lot, smart coach, won a lot in this league, but didn't resonate. I, I think Willie Green was brought in to be more of like the definitely like the player's coach. Well, here's the interesting thing about it is that, and this is like it is with a lot of assistants, there isn't a lot of information about how these guys are going to be as head coaches. Because you can go off of like what they were like as assistants, but I always use Brian Shaw as a good example of this. Brian Shaw was like the guy that connected with the players in his spots, with the Lakers and with the Pacers. Like that was where he got hired for Denver was he was like the guy with the Pacers that, that like communicated with the players. Then he went to Denver and he was wrapping scouting reports and putting up a box for them to put the cell phones in. And it was a disaster. You have to really be plugged in. I think it's one of the reasons why you do want these guys that played more recently is you, you can't have any sort of significant gap between them because of the difference in how players are today. I don't really know what to make of Willie green yet. He's going into a situation where my biggest concern is the, the chemistry. These guys have not looked like they wanted to play together over the last four seasons. 
and really like especially during the Zion era. So I'm really curious to see it does he bring them together? That's a really like takey, you know, ephemeral kind of concept, but it's important. These guys, before they get all the execution stuff right, this team has to look like they buy in that Zion's a leader, that Zion is like like bought into the team and that everybody is copacetic and connected. And if you can't do that, this is going to fail from day one, regardless of the X's and O's. So that's going to be the first, like Will Green's going into a tough assignment right now. And it'll be interesting to see how he manages that in his first stint as a head coach. Absolutely. Coming up, we've got our NBA stock market Atlantic division breakdown. But before we get there, a quick message from our friends over at Sleeper. Because look, in 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents whether you prefer a redraft keeper or dynasty game picks has you covered sleeper crack the fantasy basketball code doesn't matter you know if it doesn't matter if you like uh, fantasy basketball. Maybe you like fantasy football, right? They've got you covered there too. If you prefer building out weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. We're also brought to you today by Sweatblock. Now, it's getting colder in a lot of the country, especially here in Colorado, but also around other parts, it's going to start cooling off, not where Jackson is because he lives in Houston where it's always humid and hot and uncomfortable, which is also why he should also have Sweatblock. But... If you live somewhere colder, I have this problem where you wear warm clothes because it's cold outside. Then you go inside a building and the heater's cranked up, especially if you're wearing nice clothes. Sweat gets to be a problem. You don't want to you want to avoid all that, especially if you're doing a presentation or like me, if you're in front of a player. I don't want to be sweating out in front of a player. That's embarrassing. You look lame. Don't want to be doing that. That's why you get sweat block. Doctor created, doctor recommended, works for up to seven days per use. You put it on at night, you go to sleep, you get up in the morning, take a shower, go about your day. Guaranteed for seven days. It's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ratio by Firefighters. That's the kind of heat they can handle. Best seller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews. It's currently number one in Amazon's antiperspirant category. And it's manufactured in the USA. If you need some help with sweat containment, you want to make sure they check out Sweatblock. Get today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon and CVS. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. And continuing on here at Locked on NBA Thursday, diving into the Atlantic division in which Matt doesn't like anybody in this division. So why don't we just start at the top with the team that's drawn all of the attention this offseason, the Philadelphia 76ers. Because, right, I mean, it's so silly. Try, I mean, it's kind of one of those where it's like you can't evaluate them because like what happens with the whole Ben Simmons saga, but because we kind of have to just go under the assumption that Ben Simmons isn't reporting to camp and they're not going to have him and everything. I mean, I'm just ready to smash the sell button because they're going to lose whatever Ben Simmons trade they take part in. Here's the big key for me is like, okay, even if you're, he shows up, like this is not going to hold long-term. Like it's been made clear how he feels yeah. about this, right? Yeah. Like we know how he feels about this. The big key for me is honestly this. Um, Embiid's going to miss time. He suffered a, a partially torn meniscus in the playoffs, did not have surgery, rehabbed it, has been in the gym, been working out with Drew Hanlon. Everything seems fine. It's Embiid. I, I'm not saying that he's going to miss, have a serious injury. I hope he's he does. never played more than 64 games in his career. 
Yeah, like he's going to miss time. Before, when they had Simmons, if you looked at it, Simmons actually kept them about 500 above water when, when MB was out. They did okay when MB was out with Simmons. Like the, the bottom wouldn't fall out. Unless they get Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard, which is not happening. I, I feel confident saying Damian Lillard is not happening. And unless they get Bradley Beal or a player of that caliber, the drop-off in those games and B doesn't play when Simmons is gone is going to be massive. Even if they make a good trade, let's say that they trade, let's say they pull off a trade for with Toronto, who they've had conversations with. And it's, you know, Siakam and Van Vliet, uh, or, or and OB, two of those three for Simmons and whatever else. Is that enough without Embiid when he sits to get you through? I don't think it is. I don't think that that's going to keep you at a winning pace that's high enough based off of what Simmons brings on both ends of the floor. As much as the the shooting is a problem, Simmons is an insane defender. He's an insane defender, and he's a great passer, and he's a terror in the open court. So I think you have to sell just based off of there. You inherently have to plan on Embiid missing time. Embiid missing time. And if you don't have that backup of Simmons, you're going to be, I think, in a little bit of trouble. As far as them as a championship contender, you know, maybe they can get through. Maybe it's just like Simmons or like Embiid stays healthy, makes the run. That's very possible. But going into the season right now, with what the options are for the Simmons trade right now, I think you have to sell. Yeah, I mean, right there with you. And it, I kind of want to fade them as like – there's a part of me that almost wants to fade them as like a top four team in the East. Like, especially yeah. it's dependent on how much time Embiid misses. Now the, it's, it's a different story, right? If he makes it to the playoffs and they're healthy once they get there yeah. and you know, maybe they do make one of those, they swing a trade for, you know, one of the, either to, the Toronto package or a Bradley Beal type or, or somebody like that. Um, maybe they settle for a CJ McCollum. I, I don't know. Right. But if they make it to the playoffs and Embiid's healthy, then I, I feel like they still kind of like their chances, even as a lower seed, but as far as what their expectations are coming to this season. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm selling them. Um, so, all right, we've already faded one team. Uh, let's go and fade our second. T- what were we? Are you really, you're going to sit here and you're going to fade the nets. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm Ooh. it's, it's I'm fading them more and more. Well, so day, this, this was my question is I was going to ask, can I, can I buy Nets stock, but also simultaneously sell Kyrie Irving stock? I, I think here's like the Kyrie thing is obviously the predominant storyline. Can I buy net stock on the road? And like, there we go. Yeah, right, right. Like, here's a here's a big part of it. I don't actually think Kyrie matters. I don't. He helps, but does he really hurt? Like, are they going to be like, oh man, they really need Kyrie? They have enough. They have enough to win. They're going to win games. They're going to win a lot of games. I'm not saying they're going to be a bad team, but the what you're selling here is you're selling them at a premium. Of this is the the title favorite at every sports book. This is the predominant team that's going to get picked across. Like when the ESPN's predictions come out, there will be a few bucks, but it's going to be predominantly Nets, 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 Nets. They are the consensus. This is a a juggernaut. How are you possibly going to stop them? I need to stress this. Blake Griffin is their starting big man. Like they depend on Blake Griffin for defense. If I had told you four years, four years ago (laughs) and many knee injuries ago, that you need to rely on Blake Griffin for defense, you you would be like, oh God, this is like the worst defense in the league. That's who and see, that, that's wh- that's where and that's where I come away from thinking like, I feel like they do need Kyrie because they they're supposed to be this like you know 
just solar scorching, you know, offense, right? Like that's, that's what the, the idea is of, of having those three, you know, uber talented players put together is you're going to dump, you're going to dumpster so many points onto the board against whoever you're playing between some combo of James Harden, uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant with any one of those three being able to go, you know, turbo nuclear on any given night. And then the other two just having average games and you're talking, you know, 75, 80, 90 points going off between those three guys. So if their defense winds up being that atrocious, I kind of feel like they need Kyrie. And that's where I come away thinking like he is important to them. They're still going to be good, even if in the games Kyrie doesn't play, but they're just not going to be that insane elite level where you're like looking at their offense, like it's a cheat code in a video game. I don't know. They were really good. I think this is the other thing is that there's a lot of like looking at last year and going, well, look, all those guys missed time. They didn't play together and they still got the number two seed and still were this dominant team and had this amazing offensive rating. I am just not of the opinion that that's like sustainable. I think things change when you add in those dynamics. I think things get more complicated. It gets harder when you lose Jeff Green. Jeff Green played a lot of minutes for them last year and was important for them. Like they lost guys that contributed to them last year and they added LaMarcus Aldridge, who, you know, I'm glad he's healthy enough to play. But been a while since he's been a plus guy. I do think Patty Mills is a fantastic addition, and their bench unit's going to cook because Patty's been amazing in that role. But I just I think that the more I look at this combined with the uncertainty, here's the other thing: I started hearing about the Kyrie like weirdness weeks ago, and it's been like there's there's been there's all these rumors out about Kyrie, just wild rumors floating around about Kyrie, including like retirement and like if you get and then there was the, the Nick Wright thing where it's like oh, if he gets traded, he's retiring, and everyone's like, wait, traded? There there is just weirdness around the situation. That's strange, and I don't want to be buying into that kind of a situation. So uh, I'm not shorting them, but I'm gonna sell on the Brooklyn Nuts. I feel like I came into this segment like f- with my tone making it sound like I was going to buy nets. I also wanted to sell them, but that was <laughs> we, we also discussed this when we were doing our uh, what was our last division preview, our central division preview, talking about the Bucks. Uh, I just I I'm favoring the Bucks over the Nets out out of the East, and I think that with where the bar is set for the Nets, like that's kind of my relative to their expectations, selling them. So I think we're on the same page there. Um, which then brings us to our next team, who we're going to get to in just a moment the New York Knickerbockers. And we will get there after a quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Because look, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models for all the different cars and trucks, it's basically impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the different parts that you need. Why would you want to drive down the street and, and you got to go through all this questioning? Like, is you you know, is your mod, is your car an LX and EX or whatever, whatever make, model, brand, all this. And then they're going to check out, you know, check out, see if they've got the parts in stock. And then they're going to come back to you and say, oh, we don't even carry those parts in store. Just go to rockauto.com right now. Check out their catalog. It's so remarkably easy to navigate. They've got everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything that you need in just a few simple clicks over at rockauto.com. And this is the important part. When you're checking out, when you hit the checkout thing, hit the little shopping cart icon, be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Jackson, exactly what happened to the Texans because it was like Tyra was awesome and everything was great and now there's 16 and a half point dogs going up against Buffalo this weekend that's a rough shake that's a that's a rough shake for your for your Texans I don't like to talk about the Texans please don't make me do it 
Okay, well, if you want to bet against Jackson's Houston Texans, then you should go to betonline.ag. It's the place to go for all of your football action. It's the best place to bet on pro and college football action this season. They got a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests if you want to bet against the Texans. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for betting against the Texans at my at plus 16 and a half. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit to bet against the Texans just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for betting against the Texans available for the 2021 season. Bet online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. We'll be right back on Locked on NBA. And final segment here at Locked on NBA Thursday. He is Matt Moore. You can follow for all his musings and tirades on Twitter at HP Basketball. I am Jackson Gatlin. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin. Going into our final three teams of NBA stock market, Atlantic Division Edition. And we're starting with the New York Knicks. Kimba Walker added to a Tom Thibodeau-led New York Knicks team. I know, I'm just like... Either Tibbs is going to break him or it's going to somehow be like, a, like, I feel like there's no gray area here. It's, it's just one or the other. Like Tibbs is going to mold him and he's suddenly going to become a at least passable NBA defender or he's going to break him and the relationship is going to sour. Like, I don't think there's a middle ground here. I'm more just worried about Kemba's body. Like, I'm not worried about Kemba's, like, Kemba actually, it's funny, Kemba's- Oh, you thought, bre- oh, I meant break him, like, physically. Yeah, like, just- <laughs> yeah. Nah. yeah, yeah. Kemba actually in Charlotte, you know, back in his day, he wasn't a bad defender. It was one of the differences between him and Kyrie. was, like, he actually cared. Like, we talked about giving a F. Like, he gave an F um, about defense back in the day. He just can't physically do it anymore. Look, the Knicks are really interesting because here's an interesting question for you. is like, I don't know what the price is for the stock. Because it, here's a good example of it. My plan when I started doing like win totals work was, oh, we're definitely betting the under on the Knicks because made the playoffs, made the fourth seed, everyone going crazy. You know, New York is back. They're a public team. And then I looked in like their win total at the sports books is 41 and a half. People are, the line is 500. And so my problem is if we're looking at them as, is this, the same love tier of team it was last year, where it was like there was a top of the East and then there was a second tier and the Knicks were at the top of that tier. I'm selling that. But if you're, if we're going against the, 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 I think common conception that they're going to regress massively, I'm probably buying them a little bit because I think that they're still going to be fine to good. I don't I think, they're, I think they're right in that sweet spots here. Yeah. yeah like I, I, but I, I think if we're talking about, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. They're going to be, they're going to regress a little bit from the top of that tier. And I think we can almost kind of safely put like, maybe like the Hawks like ahead of them or like, again, like the, the Hawks and the heat are kind of in that same little mix of that. What? Like that four through like seven spot. Yeah. And that I feel like all of those spots are kind of up for grabs, but I do think of, of all those teams, I think the Knicks were that, they were that feel good story that overachieved a little bit last year. And so I think it's common to expect there to be a little bit of regression, but I'm not expecting to like fade them like out of the playoffs or down yeah. into the play. And I think that's a little too much. Yeah. And like last year, the, all the metrics said that their defense was going to regress and it drove stats guys nuts. Cause they were like, it's going to regress. It's going to regress. And I kept saying like, look guys, sometimes it just doesn't, 
it takes a year. Like sometimes that's just who every year there's that team that we look at and go, Oh wow. They were really better. Like they were not as good as their record. That's the Knicks. But I would say that also, even though the, the defense is going to regress, Julius Randall's shooting is likely to regress. If you just look at it from a metric standpoint, I think RJ Barrett improves. Obi Toppin looks great in camp. Um, they, Emmanuel quickly is really good. Derek Rose is a serious six man of the year candidate. Like, they have talent. Kemba, I still think Kemba's got miles in him. And so I think this team is going to be pretty decent. I'm not expecting 50 wins. I'm not expecting 40 wins. I'm expecting somewhere between 42 and 47-ish wins, and they're still going to be really respectable. And hey, for the Knicks, back-to-back years of being respectable is a big step up. Yeah, that's, I mean, from from where they've been in, in NBA basement purgatory for the better part of what, the last decade? Yeah. I mean, give or take. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great step up. So here's the real question because we kind of de- didn't narrow it down. Are we buying, selling, holding? Cause I'm, I'm truly on the fence here because I, I think you laid out a lot of different, fr- a lot of different frameworks here. I think we hold holding. Yeah. yeah that's, I think that was- we hold because we don't want to buy more stock right now and risk raising the price. Right. We don't want us any higher. We're good where we are. And then we think they'll do better and we can sell them then. That's if we're doing it from a stock market perspective, we hold the Knicks right now. There we go. Holding the Knicks. This is going to be the one. This is going to be the one where you and I can talk ourselves into voting the exact same way on every team. I'm feeling it like it's going to happen. Right. I'm scared because we we haven't voted uh, like identical across the board on any of these five previous stock market previews that we've done. So that brings us to our next team, Boston Celtics. <sighs> Where'd my Celtics page go? Where are my Celtics notes? I've got 17 tabs open, Matt. Why do I do this to myself? Start us off on Celtics while I look for this. <laughs> Keep going, Jackson. You can know I'm just gonna let the I'm gonna let the awkward silence just permeate throughout this podcast. You are the uh, absolute worst. I am buying the Celtics. I'm buying Celtic stock. I, I think Jason Tatum is a I have some I have a very small position on Jason Tatum for MVP. I have uh I will be looking at at buying Celtics for like top five seed props, those kind of things. I think the Celtics over is going to be doable. I think this is going to be a good team. I've liked Ime Odoka as a coach going back to what I heard during his time in San Antonio comes from a good coaching tree, has had success in several places, teaches the right things. This team also knows how to play. Like they don't need that much. The bench looked absolutely terrific in summer league and it's summer league, but all I need is for the bench not to be terrible because in the starting unit, you've got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. And this is like the real big key. Robert Williams is going to get a lot of hype for defensive player of the year. Like there's a very wait, good you chance. Wait, you don't, you don't think, you don't think Horford's going to be a starter or are you just, were you just focusing on those three guys? They're talking about Horford playing four next to him. Okay. So like the, the idea is Marcus smart, Jalen Tatum, Horford Williams, which I think that works because Horford can stretch the floor out to 18 feet. He's actually not bad at big to big passing as long as you're not Joel Embiid and somehow struggle with fitting in with every single one of your teammates. Like I, I think that this team actually works pretty well together. I like the shooting off the bench. I think Neesmith is going to be phenomenal as a shooter. Um, I think this team is going to be really good. I like the Celtics for a bounce back season. They're pretty low right now. They're, they're kind of in the mix. People are putting them in that kind of Nixie conversation. I think they're going to be better than that. I'm buying Celtic stock. I have the, you know, I like their, I like their off season additions. And I think that they had just a down season overall last year. 
Um, I don't know enough about Imiodoka to to know like what his coaching style is going to to be. Um, you're a bit more knowledgeable on that, but uh, you know, just looking at where they kind of fell, they it felt like they fell flat last year. And we were talking about kind of some of the change up stuff. Obviously, moving Brad Stevens up into Danny Ainge's position, and then bringing in Imiodoka. I mean, I feel like that lends itself to a little bit of just a refreshed kind of, you know, ideology, whatever approach they're going to take to the game. But that that roster has an insane amount of talent when you look at the other teams in the Eastern Conference. So it's hard for me not to want to buy them compared to their expectations. Right? I don't expect they're not going to sit. They're not going to sit there and be 500 again. That's where I'm at. Like they're definitely going to be higher up than that. I still have them safely in that same tier that we just described, though. I don't I don't think I can safely put them in like the top four tier of the East. I don't think they're going to take that much of a jump but I will still buy Celtic stock. Okay. I, I'm with you. I'll, I will take that. You, I'll drag you along in my investment portfolio. <laughs> there we go. All right. No, not, not us not diversifying our bonds whatsoever. We're just going to identical across the board. Um, all right. That brings us to our last team who the Raptors one. I'm just happy that they get to play in Toronto again. Like the, the, the Tampa Bay Raptors, that's just obviously everything kind of you want a jersey though, right? Like don't mm-hmm. don't you kind of want a Tampa Bay Raptors jersey? Not particularly. <laughs> Do you want a Tampa Bay Raptors I jersey? Is that I what? Want, is I, that... want, I want like an early '90s style Tampa Bay Raptors starter jacket. That's what I want. <laughs> so that <laughs> like with some breakaway pants too. Just... Yes, yes, complete with the breakaway pants. So I can look like a really terrible Florida gangster. That's exactly what I want. I'll get a gold chain too. It'll be phenomenal. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I know exactly what I'm getting you for Christmas. That's going to be great. Um, I will put in the custom order right now. (laughs) (laughs) Just drop a stack on a, on a stupid gift for Matt to wear every time we do locked on NBA Thursday. No. Um, all right. So the Raptors, you know, clearly they've got the Goran Dragic situation sitting on their front doorstep right now. What happens with him? When do they move on from him? You know, does he move on? So that's kind of a big question mark for them, but they got younger. They, they have a really like, I mean, they pulled in precious Achua. They brought in, uh, why am I blanking on Scotty? There's Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, they have a really, young exciting team and i think that defensively they've got a pretty high ceiling with the different mix of guys that they can throw out there uh in, you know in any given mix of lineups between uh pascal siakam uh scotty barnes achua uh og like i kind of like them as a defensive team and i definitely think they're going to play significantly better than their 27 to 45 record from this past season i'm shorting them Ooh, okay. So we are different this week. Okay, because I'm buying Raptors. So I'm shorting them. So here's the the big key. I just don't buy that Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananomi, Pascal Siakam with a, what was a really bad bench last season is enough to get them into like respectable range. I don't think that they're that good, especially wait, what, wait, wait, what define respectable range? Are you just talking like play in tournament range or? Yeah. I don't think they're going to be a play in team. I mean, cause they, well, okay. Here, they they were out. six games back this season. Yeah. Hear me okay. out. I know it's like six games, six games back while playing in Toronto or in, in Tampa. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Here's the big key. If you go back and you pay attention to every interview Masai Ujiri has done since he re-signed, there is a consistent message. And it is, we are not worried about winning this year. We are looking to get back to championship contention. That is our goal. That is our focus. And if that means 
looking long-term, that's what we'll do. Can you look at this roster through any lens, any lens, led by Fred VanVleet, OG Ananobi, and Pascal Siakam, and say this is a championship contender, even if you added, like, yes, if you added Bradley Beal, or even I would say Ben Simmons, honestly, to this roster without giving up any of those three or any of their other assets, then yeah, maybe they're dangerous. Like that's the most you could cut, you could top out at. I'm just bringing them up to play in tier. That's like I'm when I say significantly better. I'm not saying I'm not saying like they're a lock for like a deep playoff run. I'm just boosting them from their 27 and 45. What I'm telling you is that I think they're going to trade off assets, and then I think they're going to tank. Ooh, like. They were, everybody in the league is of the opinion that before the Raptors shut down talks and decided to take Scotty Barnes because they really like Barnes, they were shopping not only that pick, but also other players on the roster. Like they were open for business. They're open to any and all outcomes. That's changed. They're going into the season. They're going to see how it goes. Well, let, let's find out what we got. Let's try and develop Chris Boucher. Let's develop Precious Achua. Let's get all these guys and see what we can, you know, look everybody's at healthy. It's our season. It's our year. There we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But eventually they're probably going to pivot. And at that point, the smart thing for the Raptors to do is to tank because I don't think that I don't think Ujiri has a lot of interest in being a play in team. What does that do for them? Like he doesn't, he didn't want, honestly, he didn't want to be like an eight seed type of team when the Raptors actually started making the playoffs. He was just kind of dragged into it. He was prepared to tank when he traded Rudy Gay, and then they got good. Like, this is his first chance to really rebuild a team in his, in, in, this is the first chance to really rebuild a team. He's never had this opportunity as a GM. Not with Denver, not with Toronto. They were too good. Like Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan just turned into, into all So, so, so you think he's going to go into the house, strip out the copper wires, everything, and just yeah. sell it all. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not saying all three of those guys will get traded. I would not. I, I'll say this. I would be surprised if they don't do a significant trade of one of the top three players from the championship roster by the end of the season. I would be surprised if all three of Fred Van Vliet, OG Anobi, and Pascal Siakam are still on roster at the end of the season. I, oh, I could I, be wrong. I love that we get to revisit this. It's going to be so great. Yeah, I could be wrong. Like maybe they make the play, like they, they win the play in tournament, upset like the Bucks in the first round is a very Raptors outcome given my history with them. But still, I'm of the opinion that I think they're looking long term, which I think is the right thing to do. I don't think you can look at this roster and see that that I think if you look at this roster, the fastest way for them to get back to championship contention is to tank to try and get assets and trade for those kind of pieces to augment that plan. And that's what I'm expecting to happen this season. I am shorting the Toronto Raptors. All right. Well, we did not line up perfectly on this one, unfortunately, but I do agree with your points. I just think if, if none of those moves are made, if it's just those three and if they don't like, if they don't decide to pivot, I have them pegged as like a play in team. Right. But for the reasons you lay out laid out, I think the pivot is probably the smart move for the organization for their long-term future. So the short is probably the better call, but I'm going to stick with it because I'm somebody who, once I dig my heels in, I'm just, I'm, I'm just there for better or for worse. Um, all right, Matt, anything to throw in here before we wrap this one up? No, I didn't, to up, I didn't wind up fading everyone. I just wound up fading all the teams with fan bases that try and kill me all the time. So, ah, so, so see, so you're just a masochist at this point, right? You just yeah, exactly. let them bring come the pain. <laughs> the NBA season is here. 2022. Bring the pain. Next time we get together, we're going to have actual games to talk about. Aren't you excited? I'm so excited. Going to have box scores. Going to have actual clips. It's going to be amazing. We're not going to be able to watch many of them because the NBA's preseason media availability is absolutely terrible. But still, I'm very excited to have stuff to talk about. And basketball is back. 
It's going to be amazing. We're looking forward to it. Uh, but for today's show, that's going to do it. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the brand new Locked on NBA YouTube channel. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app. Make Locked on NBA your first listen. And because, well, no, what? first listen. Oh, first listen. I thought you were going to put in one more point. Huh. Okay, and go make your second listen either. Uh, we'll call it. Go make your second listen Locked on Rockets or Locked on Nuggets, right? Go listen. Or, hey, check out Locked on Bets. They've been on fire lately. So make Locked on NBA your first listen. Make Locked on Bets your second listen. Go check them out. But for today's show, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on NBA Thursday. Go Texans! You are Locked on NBA. Your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.